Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Alrighty, folks, somebody I follow on Instagram and somebody that I think you should as well. Uh, we're so lucky to have him today. Is Matt from Two Guys Take on Real Estate. How you doing, Matt? Good. I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, you're doing great things on Instagram. So shout out. That's uh, and it's fun to see what you guys have built there. But my audience may not know who you are. So why don't you introduce yourself to my audience? What do you what do you do in real estate? Where are you at? And uh, we'll just tell your story. Sure. Um, so my story is um, I started when I was 16 years old uh, and bought a two family house uh, where I got a hard money loan from my grandmother <laughs> and go. got out in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. And I quickly, within a year or so after renovating and stuff like that, kind of made a little profit and being young, I blew it all the money. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Of course yep. you did. But, um, you know, kind of still got the bug uh, for real estate and tried something in uh, Saginaw, Michigan, because I thought I knew better. The numbers seemed to work and I uh, made some quite a few mistakes there, lost everything. Um, and then I somehow convinced my best friend, Kevin, uh, years later to, you know, try real estate again. And uh, that was about 2007. And we uh, started buying, uh, bought a two family and then kind of kept rolling it. And uh, we got up to about, um, at the max, about 700 units. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, let's go back to the beginning because I got I want to talk about that early days. And, of course, we'll get into the compounding the 700 in a minute. Um, 16 years old. Yes. <laughs> 16. 16. You have, you have the interest, the bug to buy a fixer-upper duplex. Um, now, now were, were both sides rented or did you live in one unit or what, what happened there? Yep. So, um, so what it was, was, uh, a one side was a regular tenant and the other was kind of a boarding house. Uh, I was right next to a hospital. And so it was already all occupied and it was mismanaged, um, needed a lot of deferred maintenance. And I was kind of handy and my uh, grandfather was a plumber. So he growing up, I kind of learned a lot with him and my dad owned a restaurant. So working hard was definitely in my blood. Uh, and, but I also knew that my, the way my dad was doing it was not for me. Um, and so I wanted to figure out a different way. And I read rich dad, poor dad, like a lot of other people and got all excited about it. And I yeah. found that there was really no substance there. I didn't know what to, you know, I'm like, Oh, what do I do? <laughs> I've had the same problem. Okay, great. I'm excited. Now what? Yeah, exactly. So I actually went and joined a RIA in Pittsfield and met some older gentlemen there that had had maybe 10 or 20 units at the time. And I asked them, you know, I'm like, hey, can I do some work for you? I just wanna learn. And so I did some work for them, you know, and uh, kind of got to see what they were doing. And then I uh, realized, all right, I'll, this is easy, I can do this. And went and bought a two family house uh, right next to the hospital. Cause it seemed like I'd always have good tenants, uh, you know, and nurses and stuff like that. And uh, flipped it, you know, a little over a year and a half later after doing some renovations, made a nice $30,000 profit. And that, you know, at that, that time I was over 17. That was a lot of money for me. Yeah. And I quickly bought a car. I got, you know, <laughs> a deal and just everything stupid. <laughs> well, you know, I want to talk about your grandma, right? Cause again, your grandma was your first funding source, yep. um, which is pretty awesome. 
I mean, how, how did that, I mean, maybe the conversation is, Hey, I need some help. She gives it to you. Maybe she asked for a business plan. I, I'm just curious how that conversation was when, you know, grandma s stepped up and was your lender. So, um, yeah. So basically the, what it was, was I kind of, she had, you know, been around, you know, seeing my entrepreneurial spirit. I had also mm -hmm. done this thing in my restaurant with my dad, um, to pay for college. I did this thing called spa which I, I bought PlayStation arcade, uh, PlayStations mm -hmm. and games. Sure. And I rented it out because my dad's restaurant was next to college students. So she saw my entrepreneurial spirit in general. Okay. And so I had actually made some money. So I had a decent, I had most of the deposit down, but I needed a okay. little bit more. But being 16, I couldn't sign for a loan. Yeah, so exactly. You couldn't sign a contract. <laughs> yeah. To be on the dotted line. Right. <laughs> and so oh, I made an agreement awesome. with her to pay her, you know, her money back plus a certain, you know, uh, interest on that. Yeah. And uh, she was like, okay, you know, she was down and, uh, you know, she understood That's what awesome. I was doing and she had, I mean, she all, everything was in her name. So she knew she was protected. Right, um, right, right. Of course. But we had a, a, basically a side agreement, you know, that we signed yeah, together. Yeah, this grandma was taking care of her grandson. Exactly. Awesome. All right. So you, you get that. It, it works out. You're now 17. Uh, at some point you, you turn your sights on a new market where I like to say the Excel math looks great, uh, but the reality <laughs> Wasn't so much. Uh, so let's talk about that experience because there are so many people, as you know, Matt, that get excited by real estate. They think it doesn't work where they live. They go somewhere where the Excel math looks great and then they lose their ass. So let's <laughs> tell that story in a couple minutes. Sure. Okay. So yeah, so that was the thing. I was looking at uh, properties in my area. This is in the Berkshires and none of the numbers seemed to pan out. I mean, Pittsfield was great, but it was a tough market. There's mostly CD uh, class property. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And, you know, the returns, I just wanted to hit, you know, high returns. I mean, who doesn't right. want high cash flow? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so I was, there wasn't money like forums online or anything. So I was just kind yeah. of like pulling the data myself and trying to figure this out, calling people. Um, and so for some reason, I, I found a four family in uh, Saginaw, Michigan. And, you know, I got the rent roll. I talked to the agent. Okay, the numbers seemed to work. And I was running all the expenses, talked to insurance agents. They all seemed to pan out really well. So then I flew out there, got myself a ticket. I met the agent. I walked around a couple other properties and I'm like, this makes sense. He hooked me up with a property manager. And then uh, shortly thereafter I closed and then it all went downhill um, mm -hmm. because the uh, property manager was a small time guy and was stealing money. He was collecting cash and I didn't really have any controls in place to protect myself. So I was not getting money, but I was, I was having to keep working to cover my mortgage. Yep. And so I fired him and once again, doing this remotely, cause I'm from Massachusetts. So it's not like right. I can just go down there easily to manage it myself. Uh, I found a large property management company. All right, going big. And mm -hmm. one of the big guys in the area. And then who just basically, you know, I was a small wheel. They didn't really care to, you know, put the time into it. Yep. And while it was about, uh, I thought it was 50% vacant. Uh, I found out that the last person moved out. So I'm like, oh, cool. you know, let's get the units turned over. What were we doing? I'm talking to the manager and then like, oh, well, we had someone on site. Um, it seems like we had a break in. No. I'm like, uh, okay. And everything was taken. The kitchen sink, the toilets, the furnaces, the, the plumbing, uh. everything was stripped from the property. So I'm like, wow. oh. I'm like, all right, I'll file an insurance claim. Well, the insurance company went and talked to my property management company. And they're like, they found out that it was vacant, 50% more vacant for over three months. So they said that violates your policy. You get zero. 
Wow. So I had this tough decision to make. Um, and I basically deeded it back to the bank and said, you know, for close on me, I, I can't, yeah, I can't, can't afford this. I have no income. I have, I can't fix the property up. And so I had to get a foreclosure on my record, mm -hmm. um, which was tough. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of, you know, licked my wounds for a while, but, um, still had that bug. I just knew there was a better way. And that's right. kind of what led into, you know, 2007. Well, let's, the story gets better from there. Uh, so let's talk 2007, 2007. I mean, every market's different, but that's still a little bubbly, right? It, it was maybe it rolled over a little bit, but it wasn't the bottom. No, it was not. Um, and in, so I was looking still, once again, I was in now, uh, Amherst, Massachusetts. Um, okay. so not, not far from Springfield, uh, but UMass, um, I was going okay, to UMass. Yep. That's where I met my business partner, Kevin. And so I was looking at the stuff, uh, you know, just, you know, the numbers and things were starting to kind of come down and, you know, at stuff in Amherst, it didn't make sense. You were looking at maybe, you know, four or 5% cash on cash return. Mm. It just looked really risky. Right. And, you know, these were still rough and it was all college students. So they weren't exactly being one myself, uh, knew that <laughs> they didn't take care of the place really well. Yeah. And so I was looking into uh, other tertiary markets like Springfield um, and the numbers seemed to better there so i started how, how of, far away was springfield sorry i'm geog geography challenged oh yeah sure um it was about 25 minutes away okay so yeah easy drive or reasonable okay. it was not no michigan <laughs> yeah yeah no, yeah we're not jumping on airplanes got it yeah. so uh, uh at the time i was working for this one woman who uh, at some point she laid me off in, in this time frame and i said that's it i'm going all in real estate okay. i had enough money to save to kind of you know, you know, give me six months. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out six months and just going all in. And so this was probably late 2007, 2008, uh, kind of at that time, I'd been re doing a lot of research, running all these numbers on all these different properties, understanding the different uh, markets, meeting with different agents in the area. And finally found this one agent who was just rock star. Mm. Um, she was fearless um, because at that point, there were so many, they're starting to see boarded up properties, practically streets boarded up in Springfield. Yeah. And so she was willing to go into all these properties. So we started going into them together and mm. one after the other. And so I finally found a two family house um, that was a side-by-side -side duplex, five bedrooms each side, one and a half bath wow. each side. And I put an offer in it. Uh, it was around $70,000 and it was boarded up, got, uh, and um, got the offer accepted uh, from the bank. It was an REO mm -hmm. and basically went in and started fixing it up myself. I had, like I said, I'd taken, I had lost my job and I had convinced my business partner at the time, Kevin, uh, right now. And, uh, my, uh, girlfriend at the time to all put 5,000 in. So we had 15,000. I'm like, I'll, I'll start renovating everything. And basically we'll, we'll, uh, as before Burr was coined, we'll burr it essentially. Yeah. We'll, you know, right. put some equity in, sweat equity in all that stuff. And then we'll refinance it, pull our money out and we'll roll it to the next one. And, yeah. Any idea uh, what that would have sold for at the peak? I mean, you probably looked at the Zillow and saw what it sold for. If it sold at 70, all boarded up. What did the person before you buy it at? Like 300 or 250 or something? They were at 262. Ah, oh. yeah. My market, my market of Fresno crashed like that. I sold a house for interestingly enough, 262. It retraded at 75. So very, wow. very similar story. Yep. So, yeah. All right. So you're, so 15 grand of equity, uh, obviously you probably get a hard money loan. Do you go back to grandma or is this a DSCR loan or what, what's the deal? Oh, you're right. It was a hard money loan. Um, Kevin actually had met uh, a contact out in uh, another area from Boston 
who was doing hard money loans. So we talked to him and, you know, with a little coaxing and, uh, and knowledge, I'm like, Hey, you know, I have, I had, you know, experience, which yeah. <laughs> a lot of failed experience, but I had experience. Uh, I, uh, we convinced him to do us uh, a nice uh, loan. It was at, I think it was 15% and three points. So, it was, Oh, wow. And it, it was, sounds like was the 15 K the down payment or was that your repair budget? That was, so I got him to include, do a hundred percent of the acquisition. Oh, sorry. Okay. 80% of the acquisition. And then, um, he did a hundred percent of, uh, uh the, on draws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. and then ours was, you know, baked into there. Was the equity. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Exactly. Got it. That makes perfect sense. So, um, how long did it take? How long did it take to take this boarded up thing and make it a rental and burr out? Was it four or five months or what? It was about three and a half months um, because okay. uh, basically I was there till two in the morning, every morning, uh, sand in the floors. I did the plumbing. I did whatever it took mm -hmm. to get that thing done. Um, and we had one side done. I got a CO for one side and we had it quickly rented out uh, to our chagrin. We once again, made a mistake. We rented it practically the first person who had a section eight voucher. We were all uh -huh. excited. They're paying X and we didn't really have a good screening process at the time. And oh, yeah. It was probably also our worst tenant ever. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You got to, yeah. There's, there's a lot to be said with tenant selection and screening. So I get that. Um, so what, what happens? Three and a half, four months later, you go back to Burr out. What did it, what did it uh, appraise for? What, what did you get out of that? So, um, remembering the exact numbers, but basically we did walk away um, with our initial capital back of fifteen and an extra okay. thirty thousand. So nice. we had about forty five thousand now in capital to roll into the next two deals. Um, so we yeah. were able to go to, uh, we did one on Loring and Massachusetts Ave. So that was very, the next two cool. deals. So you, in order to go from a two family to a peak of 700 units, I'm guessing along the journey, you stopped doing the repairs yourself because that would be a limiting factor. So what were some of the real big growth trajectories that really saw that jump from, you know, a duplex to ultimately 700 units? So there's a couple things that happened. Um, one of the times I was actually, at, uh, I had formed a adult gymnastics class at the time. Um, okay. That was my hobby. And while I was doing that, learning a backflip, um, there was another gentleman who had just sold a bunch of properties down in Mexico and had a lot, large capital. And I was, I'm just, a, you know, I, I, I'm bubbly. I talk about what's going on in my life. And he was hearing me and he's like, wow, it sounds like you know what you're doing. Sounds like, you know, things are going well. He's like, I'm looking to invest with someone like yourself in this area. I just moved here. I you know, have some capital. So he, you know, basically became a partner and obviously had an infusion of capital uh, mm -hmm. that helped really snowball thing. Cause now essentially what we were doing, this was back when, you know, you could do, there were short sales like crazy. And we, I was looking at over a hundred properties a week and we were nice. putting out offers on almost every hundred properties. And then we were seeing basically 10 come back and we were picking up a couple from there. And then some of them, you know, maybe would come back later on because short sales could take, you know, six, eight months, I'm mm -hmm. sure you know. Um, and so we'd, you know, hear later on all of a sudden, you know, five more just popped and said, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, one of the things that you mentioned that not enough people do is a lot of people get in this game and they, they're, it's definitely a scarcity mindset, right? You try to keep everything to yourself. You called it a bubbly personality, but you got to tell everybody. I talk a lot about, you know, especially if you're a full-time employee, getting a buy box, becoming, you know, knowing your area, your footprint, but do tell everybody, you never know where deal flow will come from. 100%. I, even to this day, I am, I was just at, uh, 
uh, just uh, I was at a bank or whatever, and I mentioned one of the bankers. I'm like, just so you know, I just uh, 1030, you know, I got X funds 1031. If you hear about anything, I got I picked up another self storage that way, and yes. I picked it. Uh, might be picking up a medical office building that way. Yeah, you never know who doesn't knows what the deal is coming around the corner for you. So yeah. So what other things have you learned growing your portfolio from just a little to a lot? Uh, both good or bad. What, what's some other lessons that you could share with someone who maybe hears your story and goes, you know, I want to do some of that. Well, one of the things is, like you said, is not being, understanding you can't do it all. Um, that that was a hard lesson for a while uh, that did definitely restrict us is because I felt like I had to do everything and no one was going to do it better. Uh, because, so we had my partner, uh, Kevin, who handled tenant relations. Myself, I handled construction, acquisitions, um, I had the general contractor license, the kind of the, that kind of aspect. And then we had the partner we brought in, we let him handle, you know, banking and stuff like that and investor relations stuff, because it's not something I wanted to focus on. So we were able to, A, we diversified that way, but then I still had to let go because I, I still felt like I always had to be on site. And I, yeah. I mean, when we were running, you know, 10, 15 projects at one time, it was just not plausible. And so I had to learn that if I can get 80% out of another, like an employee or a project manager, then that is great. Cause that allows yeah. me to scale. Yeah. One of the things that I get nervous about, you know, cause you know, I left, I, I retired when we had just about 200 units and I still remember my first speaking engagement after I left my, you know, six figure W2, I thought it went great, you know, applause, blah, blah, blah. But I still remember going to my car, like, walking on a cloud. I was, you know, I was that excited. Like, Oh, we, Oh, I changed somebody's lives today. The people next to me didn't see me getting in their car and they said, good for them. My wife was there, but we can't do it. What I have found when I talk about 200 units, and I'm sure you've heard this 700 units, they, they say good things, but they don't think it's possible. Right. That's why I spend a lot of time, Matt, talking about just get to four, right? Just get to four. Get one a year, one every two years. It could change your life. Do you do you believe believe any of that? Oh, I hundred percent. And I even think one of the best ways to start, honestly, is even with a house hack. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you can, I mean, I I even house hacked. I bought a property uh, uh, foreclosure auction, and I turned the basement uh, into an Airbnb. Um, uh, Kevin, same thing. I mean, I think that is a great way. And then you can obviously put a HELOC on it. And then you, if you build in that equity, you can tap that in to grow. Because I think yeah. one of the biggest things I've heard from people about getting started is where I don't, I'm not gonna have the money. The money yeah. is the easy part. It's finding, I, I found it's finding really good deals. And if you understand how to find a good deal, the money will follow, always follows. Yeah, yeah I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, obviously 2020, 2021 were wild years. A lot of my deals came off market, on market was tough. Uh, as we exit 2023, I think it's fair to say affordability sucks. We have high prices and relatively high rates. What are you looking at in your business for 2024? And then maybe advice for the newbies. What are, what are you doing in your portfolio in 2024? So we're shifting a lot of our portfolio. So we've been uh, liquidating some of our uh, stuff that takes up more of our time that produces less of our profit. So mm -hmm. typically in our C&D areas, that we own. We just sold one of our 16 families. I've got a couple others and that that we're selling uh, this month and next month. And then what we've been moving is trying to obviously, you know, we don't want to pay as much uh, taxes as we have to. So we're capped 10, uh, 31, a lot of it. And yep. we've already bought uh, some light industrial building, a couple medical office buildings. So we're shifting into more B class triple net properties. We have shopping plaza, 
that has um, basically some anchor tenants that are, um, you know, corporate guarantees. Um, so we're kind of really shifting that. Um, but we're also seeing, uh, because we buy a lot of stuff at foreclosure auctions, uh, that's how the last few years have been a little tighter, but before, for the last eight years, we bought a lot of properties at foreclosure auction at 1.20 a, a month, we were buying oh, wow. at foreclosure auctions and we're seeing an uptick in that. Um, so we track all of our auctions in our area that we, and we're seeing in the last, let's say two months, I've seen where we were going to maybe two or three per week. We're up to about 20 and. Oh, wow. We're seeing even, and I also track the mortgages uh, of when they were actually being are being foreclosed, and I'm seeing more and more mortgages that were from 2019, 2020, 2021, even 2022 wow. actually coming to foreclosure auction. So I'm seeing a huge uptick on that as well. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. I mean, the the doomers and the crash bros have been telling us a foreclosure wave is coming. Uh, since you're in the mix, do you, you know, if you're seeing 20 a week now, it was three. What was it back in the day? Like 200? Or so what are we talking back, about? I would say, yeah, back when, um, say 20, you know, 16, 2017, I was seeing typically about 50 a week, okay. uh, where how many I actually going to foreclosure auction actually happened. Um, right. still right now we're seeing 20, so we're still a ways away from there. But, um, I mean, during it, COVID stuff like that, we were at one a week. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. It wasn't, it wasn't legal for, for most right. parts to foreclose. Right. Yeah. Well, in mass, there was also an issue. Uh, it was kind of, so in February of 2019, there was a uh, the thing called the Thompson Act uh, okay. that happened. It was a case that basically it nulled out for prior three years, all the foreclosure auction, make them all a uh, bad title. So they oh, had, wow. to yeah. So the mass was a big issue. And then it just got cleared up in February of 2020. And then we all know what happened right after that. So we were like, all right, great. You know, that's all fixed out. And then I'll COVID hit. And um, so we Dang. had, you know, another hit on the foreclosure okay. market. Well, it's pretty interesting that we're seeing foreclosures with relatively new mortgages, right? We're talking people who probably have a two or a three on their mortgage. Uh, I know you generally, unless you're talking to the owners, which you're probably not, if it's at a foreclosure auction, what do you, I mean, it's gotta be a job loss or death in the family or something that's causing this uptick. So I'm seeing different things. Um, some of it also because I'm seeing more uptick in the commercial. So I'm seeing DSCR ah, loans. Ah, there we go. DSCR loans. Six, yeah. I just picked up a six family um, for um, three fifty seven. That is ARV is at least six fifty. Um, that's final sided. Everything's pretty much done. I just got to kind of work, rework the tenants. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That's I mean, funny. That's uh, I'm looking at the same stuff. I'm looking. I'm looking to buy between five and forty unit buildings. Yep. Because of those, I think there's some people that got bad debt structures, variable rate, and uh, they mismanage tenants. And I'm like, well, I can go fix that. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for those. I agree. I think you're also seeing a lot of people who got in, in the last few years that were all excited and also mm -hmm. saw the rent appreciation and assuming, well, I can buy it now at these rates is okay. Oh. And the rent's going to come up anyway. I'm like, I'm like, rents can go down, dude. Yeah, no, no, not good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I saw so many people talking about 5% rent growth for like the next five years. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that is not going to happen. I mean, that's you spoken crack. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, some of these, some of these syndications were just dead the day they were inked. Um, so let's talk about the new folks. We've got a couple minutes left. What, what advice do you have somebody, you know, we just had the holidays. They're excited about their new year. They want to get started. What's one or two pieces of advice you would tell a new investor that's excited they don't own anything yet? What would you tell them? Well, um, it's very possible, first off, and anyone can do it. Even someone like myself and Kevin, we're, we're no one special. 
Um, and we've made a lot of mistakes and honestly, that's, that's okay. You're going to make mistakes. Um, mm -hmm. but I would definitely say the, one of the easiest ways to start is finding, you know, a wholesaler or a foreclosure auction where you can get into a property that's somewhat distressed in many different ways that you can put equity and time into it and then build that equity that you can then leverage. And like you said, maybe even just buying one property every year, every two years. And that, you know, as you, and keep your own job, you don't need to, you know, yes. you know, try to just, you know, go all in on it, but you can start one at a time, like you say. And I think that's a great way to get started. And if you find that it's really flowing and yeah, then maybe you want to make that leap and go all in yep. and that's great. But um, yeah, get, get proof of concept. Get proof exactly. Of concept. But yeah. don't let the um, the fear of not having the money be the limiting factor you have because it's just not reality. I mean, what reality is, is that when you find a great deal, it's the money will find, you'll find it. It, it will always come. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're out there, you're in the open, you're telling people the money will show up. Yeah. Don't, don't just stay in your mom's basement because there's no money down there. Get exactly. out and talk to people. Uh, Matt, where can people find you? Well, we're on all different social medias like YouTube and stuff like that. It's two guys take on real estate. And uh, if you want to check out our book for closure unlocked on Amazon, we'd love for you guys to get a check out on that too. There you go, Matt. I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh -huh.